What's going on, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. And I want everybody to know that you are listening to the Wrestling Underscore Hip Hop Podcast, your home for all things wrestling and hip hop. So I want everybody to tune in and subscribe to Wrestling Underscore Hip Hop on Speaker Radio. And then I want everybody to follow them on Instagram at Wrestling Underscore Hip Hop. Now everybody enjoy the show. And keep it pimping, baby. Peace. Then she, the aerial artist, and I'm on Poe, Politicking. We just had an excellent interview. If you want to find me, if you want to follow the aerial artist, it's at the aerial artist on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, InstaFace, all the above. I'll see you there. Welcome back to PolPolitikin.com, your home for self-help meets hip-hop. Make sure you go on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play. This is some of our interviews from 2008. Also, this is going to be on my wrestling underscore hip-hop podcast, so check that out. Shout out to my co-host, 1212. I'm in a place to be with... Senshi, the aerial artista, aerial artista. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Like I said, I seen you. I be watching Major League Wrestling, and I seen you on a few of the episodes. But then I'm going back now, and I see you've been in the game for a while now. Yeah, this is ten years. Ten years going strong. You a vet? I'm twelve. I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's been it's it's been a little while. Started at 18, 28 right now. So um, what you call a little young vet is what they call it. Where you from? From uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Trained at yeah. the WWE four with uh initially with Mr. Hughes. Total protection, Mr. Hughes. Yeah, you went you into know, my uh, next question. I saw you uh yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. How was that working with Mr. Hughes? Interesting. Um, you know, it was around maybe fifteen years old that I uh was really considering like I gotta try this wrestling thing. You know, I become a closet wrestling fan from like maybe twelve-ish to like fifteen and started really hitting a fever pitch, you know. WWE was all I knew, um, but I was like, how do you start? How do you get into this? So with some Google searching, I found the WWA4. I don't know why. I was like, WWA4, what's the 4 stand for? To this day, it stands for nothing. Turns out the original owner, <laughs> Frank Aldridge, he just put the 4 he, to be different. It stands for World Wrestling Alliance 4. They ain't a number 1, a number 2, or number 3. I find it hilarious. Not many people know that. But anyway, the WWA4 Wrestling School. The head trainer was Total Protection. Good old Total Protection, Mr. Hughes. And, you know, he uh, he stole the Undertaker's urn, you see. He loves, <laughs> he loves bragging about that. 
That's his, oh, that's his claim to fame. He's Jericho's bodyguard. You know? still got it? <laughs> still got the urn? He's walking around with it and shit? You no, know, um, he's definitely got a lot of pictures of it. I, I think The Undertaker took that shit back, but uh, I don't know. All right, and you kind of mentioned it, so what made you, what you made you want to be a pro wrestler? I wanted to try it out. You know, I was also a gymnast when I was 10. Uh, started when I was 10, uh, up until about 14, 15, I competed, you know, at a pretty high level for a kid. So I was already athletic and liked to flip, and I was in a pizza parlor one day, waiting for my pizza, and they had SmackDown on the screen. And uh, Eminem came out. I'm like, who are these little sleaze balls? And you know, it's this little, you know, Molina with them. Okay, whatever. Then Batista came out, big old muscle dude, and his partner was Rey Mysterio. And, you know, this little guy with a mask coming out. And like, I'm like, okay, kind of like his vibe. And ding, ding, ding. He's flipping all over the place, and he's doing moon salts and head scissors. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I had never seen anything like this before. And that was like. I was like, well, I can, I can hit, I can, I can do a backflip. I can, I think I could do that. And ever since then, I was like, man, I, I started getting the itch. I had to try it. So, found the school, walked in. Um, really, I went to a show every Thursday. The, the wrestling school has a show for the, for the for the students to kind of perform in front of their family and friends, which is a huge advantage. Not many places that do that. And uh, so we went to a show. There's like I don't know nine fans there, maybe twelve. And, uh, you know, it was one of the slow nights. And I remember the main event. It was this tag team called Ash and Jimmy versus the Hooligans. And I know you probably heard the Hooligans before if you are a wrestling fan, especially in the Midwest. But the, the Hooligans are uh, an awesome tag team. And way back then, turns out, they came from the WWE 4 too. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. I said I could do that. If they could do it, I could do it. And, uh, and the rest was a lot of history. <laughs> Man, what you uh, what was you doing in gymnastics? Like, I know they got like different events. So, what was your event? Yeah, so I did uh, the all around. So I did the floor exercise, the pommel horse, the rings, uh, parallel bars, high bar, and the vault. So yeah, I competed all of that. Okay. Now, then yeah. I know you you had a few different names before you settled on this one, right? I saw that. Yeah, it's a uh, you know it's been been definitely an evolution. You know, um, I was gonna ask you about I, that. How did you find your character and everything? Well, you know, ain't no characters here. This is this this is this is some real life ish. You know, it's um, you know, before I donned the mask, uh, I had a uh, a very at the time unfortunate injury. I don't know if you know. Anything oh yeah, about I was actually I just saw it. I was, oh. I was gonna ask you about that. That was crazy. De- devastating, right? Crazy. Um, you know, where I actually went for a double moonsault, under rotated. Opened at the wrong, and I didn't instantly knew it was wrong. I instantly could feel it. I was like, man, I didn't, I didn't set up enough. I didn't bring my knees to my chest. I didn't quite calculate that that move was going to be at the end of the match <laughs> versus oh, so like just tired. when you're fresh. Yeah. I was, you know, I mean, we can really dissect the story if you want to know how much time you got. But no, we got, we got time, cuz. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to do a better job directing because I'm going to go all over the place with all tangents. Right. We good. So, I don't know what you want to know. What you trying to know? Yeah, no, I was just I was, I saw that. Then I was like, uh, damn. So you did you did break your neck? Cause somebody wrote they wrote. I saw the comment. Somebody said you broke your neck, but then it was like, man, he kicked out. Cause you kicked out too. I was like, damn. So must go on. <laughs> it's crazy. So the way I landed, I landed like like this all the way. I can't even replicate the position. But I broke. I I fractured my occipital condyle. Now, basically, that's the hardest part of your skull. It's like the base of your skull where it connects to the spinal cord of your neck, 
right? So technically, some doctors are like, yeah, it's your skull. And some doctors are like, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's your neck. So I can say I broke my skull and my neck. But the doctor that finally, you know, did the CAT scans and everything described it as, he said, because of gymnastics, my neck muscles were so strong, stronger than normal, that it took all the force first. Wow. So the, whatever was left over hit the bone, which fortunately is a better situation. And also the impact was right to the right of my spinal cord. So even if it would have hit, you know, maybe an inch to the left, like I'd at least be paralyzed. Like all the professionals that watch it, like, yeah, you should have, you, you really got lucky. You really should be dead or not talking to me right now. Um, so yeah, never do that again. You should retire. And that should be it. You should say, you know, you should live a quiet life in the mountains, basically, is what they're insinuating. Um, but, yeah, we all know how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, how long were you out over that injury, though? It said six months to a full recovery. Um, I just needed to hear the words full recovery. Once I heard that, I was like, oh, we, we off to the races. And, you know, on some real shit, there's a lot of ways it could have it could have gone. You know, I was still coaching gymnastics at the time. And. When I was leaving for that trip, one of the parents jokingly was like, oh, you have a wrestling event? Oh, you haven't done one of those in a while? Uh, don't break your neck. Ha, ha, ha. So <laughs> they really preferred me to not to wrestle. They wanted me to just coach their kids, and, and that's it. And, and they're, they're totally on board now, but back then, this was the mindset. So you have people saying, oh, this silly wrestling thing. What are you doing? You know, you're 21. Why don't you go to college and blah, blah, blah. All right. And then you got other people that, you know, your supporters and your family if there happen to be your supporters that are like, yeah, I support you 100%. Then you got your own doubts and your own goals and wants. You know, I'm early in this. This is only a, a year and a half in for me. So I had a lot of decisions to make after that. I All of that whole day was a whirlwind, but waking up the next day, very legend, and the best announcers in the whole planet Earth, uh, took care of me. You know, we stayed at his house. Uh, in New York. Wow, Larry Zabisco? La Larry, Larry Legend. Oh, okay. Larry okay. Legend, yeah. And, um, and yeah, I remember waking up the next day and when all this started going viral and I started trying to review what was what was happening, I had a lot of paths I could have taken. Do I stop wrestling? Do I come back to wrestling but be conservative? You know, that could be an option. Do I? But none of that even like stuck. It was like, no, once I heard full recovery, I'm like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to show all these mother efforts who the real hot flyer <laughs> is. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to really show you what I got. Because a lot of people, there was, this crowd that's like, look at this dumbass, like, oh, you know, he tried, he tried to hit a double moonsault, he tried to be ricochet, he tried to be this and that. And, you know, there's some truth to what he was saying. Like I said, I should have been doing that move, you know, this, I can, I can hit it in my sleep. I'm a gymnast. I've trained, I've done it off the rings and the floor, blah, blah, blah. But in that particular night, in that particular instance, I wasn't even 100%, hadn't been sleeping, there was no need for that risk. Okay, fair enough. But then there's another side, people that knew me, was like, no, he's actually legit. He's actually can do some of the most awe-inspiring things you've ever seen. He just needs a platform. He just needs a chance. He just kind of screwed up, you know? So, like, that was, like, the chasm of, of uh, I could really see the naysayers and then the supporters. And when I came back, of course, all eyes were on me. It turned out I went to a convention. I met uh, Beth Phoenix there. And she was like, oh, you're the guy, because Carlito saw me. And he was like, you're the guy, blah, blah, blah. He was like, let me introduce you to my friends. So he, Tommy Dreamer comes over and all. And they're like, we all saw it. And I'm like, that's when I really saw, like, how much it went through the wrestling community. Like, Beth, Beth Phoenix, I watched that with Edge. And, you know, he really felt something for you. He also has neck issues. And I'm like, 
shit, Edge watched my clip. Like, it's <laughs> easy, right? So that really gave me more motivation to really prove those naysayers wrong and those YouTube haters wrong. And I was like, it gave me more fuel, more fuel, boom, boom, boom. And it kept, kept me going. I would say, I know, like, just, you know, athlete playing through any injury, you don't have any, like, how do you go through, like, the thoughts in your mind? I guess the fear, per se. Like, how did you get over the fear? Especially, like, your... Well, I knew I had to do it again. I knew I had to do it again as soon as possible at the right time. And Because even as a gymnast, when I'm teaching, you know, if if a, if one of my kids does a, does does is learning something new and they have a scary turn, right? where kind of, you know, it kind of freaks them out a little bit. We're doing dangerous things, right? Uh, we have to do it again. We can't let it defeat you. Because if we in practice like that, then it won. You know what right. I'm saying? So I knew right. that I was going to look for the right opportunity to bust it out again. And that opportunity came 2014, which was about a year and a half later at Pro Wrestling Syndicate. And I did it to the outside as a, as a to try to attack everybody. <laughs> Sanjay Dutt was in this match, Facade. Uh, myself wrestling as Shinron at the time, um, and there was a, f- a few others. But uh, but yeah, nailed it, landed on my feet, knocked out four of them. The whole crowd was like, oh, like the whole crowd rose. Like it was an unreal feeling. I took a lap around the ring just because I couldn't. Like, it was imagine you know going through all that and then like proving to yourself and then proving to everybody else that I still got it, you know, and. Uh, uh, so that was the second time. And then the third time was in Chile. Um, I'm the first person ever to do a double moonsault in the southern hemisphere of the planet. <laughs> uh, if anyone's got a record, prove me wrong. But we did the math. It's, it's pretty cool. Did it in Chile. Knocked out a whole crew of people to uh, to hold on to my championship there because uh, I was getting outnumbered. <laughs> so when did you when did you become the aerial artist? The aerial you? artist. So, so since she came from a result of you know, getting a little burnt out as Shinron. So I was charade at first, you know, charade is like the, all the, the, the origin, right. The Phoenix that came back from the dead, you know, that kicked out and survived and came back. But through that to show, you know, like I said before, to show, to show you guys, you know, you know, who's the best here. That's like the dragon. That's like the, the force of the dragon, the, the, the crowd. So that's, that's Shinron, you know, that's, but after a while, maybe around 2016, I needed a new goal. I felt like I had really shown what I was capable of, at least up to that point. And, you know, at least I got people saying, all right, this guy's legit. Um, so I needed new motivation, you know. Uh, I kind of stopped seeking bookings altogether. I kept honoring the bookings I had and just kind of let it flow to me. I was a little burnt out uh, with wrestling, so to speak. It was just kind of coasting along, and um, I, had to, I had to go away. I had to find myself again. I had to find why I do this. I had to find my zen, so to speak. So zen she actually means complete history, right? It actually translates to that. So you have Charade, who's one half of the yin-yang, Phoenix, and then the dragon on the other half, Shinron. Now I'm complete. I spent my whole time as Shinron running away from my past, trying not to associate with it. No, that wasn't me, blah, blah, blah. I'm better now. Forget that out of your head, blah, blah, blah. But I realized I had to embrace. No, that's who, I, that's, that's who I am, you know? I have to embrace the complete version of me and now I'm a more complete performer as well Shimron didn't know how to wrestle he knew how to flip you know he was a great high flyer because that's who his goal was <laughs> you know to show you guys but I didn't have the complete package I had to really work on myself I had to really work on my mental I had to really work on my whole approach to wrestling and I feel like I found that now with Zenji and 
And MLW has given me a platform to uh, showcase that to a broader range of people. Yeah, I want to say I, I saw it like you say you was in Chile. So will you say were you honing your skills there? Yes, Chile, Peru. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely road traveled. Um, definitely road traveled. You know, I have a lot of fun with international international trips. That's another thing that got the fun back in me um, as far as wrestling goes. You know, the U.S. scene is is full of opportunity and, and, and this and that and what have you. But there's certainly a lot of politics anywhere you go, right? And uh, I was a little burnt out of the politics in, in the U.S. You know, how, did you, uh, how did you get over there? <laughs> Crazy story, right? So AR Fox, the first international CLL All-Stars champion, Chile Lucha Libre All-Stars champion, um, a guy I trained with. Um, you know, he also trained at the WWA4. You know, Fox. So, you know, he was three years our senior in the school, right? So he was getting these opportunities at like CZW before anyone else, you know. So he would come back from these shows and tell us his experience, right? Then he would get a shot at Evolve and, you know, come back and tell all the other students and he was like the you know the, the mold breaker um and there was a little promotion in chile far away they call it chile the end of the earth because it's just a little sliver it's not something people think about it was a promotion full of hard work and talented passionate wrestlers wrestling fans and whatnot and, and and they wanted to do better they wanted to be a part of the international conversation they wanted to put their best foot forward so what they did is they created an international championship and they, uh, and they had a tournament and they were like, well, let's invite the best people we can that want to come. And uh, AR Fox got that invite. And he was like, he didn't even think it was real at first, uh, but they brought him down and had him participate in this tournament and he wins the darn thing. So now AR Fox is the first ever CLL international all-stars champion. So he comes back to the USA with this foreign title belt. It's silver. Actually, I have it right here. <laughs> oh, I think I saw you. I saw a video of you in like the Fox Academy. Yeah, <laughs> it's missing so. a piece, and that's another part of the, the the story of this championship. But look how strange it looks. Like it's you can tell it's like <laughs> yeah. another planet or something like this. Uh, so he comes back with this belt, and people are like, "What is that?" And you know, and he's he's on CCW at the time, and you know, Dragon Gate USA. He's got some visibility. And, and he's kicking ass. So he defends it here and there. Um, and that's that. Around this time, so this is 2013, I think he won. Early 2013. Around this time, I'm recovering from my neck injury. Okay? Around this time, I'm just getting my feet wet again and, and finding, you know, my, my voice, which not Chikara at the time. Uh, wrestling is fun. Shinron is, is starting to, to, to come about. And... Um, I had some decisions to make, like I told you before. Like, do I come back? Do I do go all in with wrestling? So I decided to move up to the Northeast um, from Georgia to be closer to a lot of these opportunities. You know what I mean? Um, and it just so happened that uh, around that time was Air Fox's second trip back to Chile. And uh, he comes back, and we were cool at the time. You know, we're, we're, we're bros from, from the school. He comes back, he said, oh, yeah, I showed him your video. Because he defended the championship against me. Right before he left, just so you know, because he went back down from a challenge. He beat me, of course, at Beyond Wrestling, which was kind of cool. The same place I broke my neck. So he comes back and he's like, oh, I showed them your, your video, uh, the video of us fighting. And they said they like you. Um, they might call you or something. And he left it at that. He went up about his life. Sure enough, I've got a freaking phone call from a foreign number. And I swear I almost sent it to spam. 
but I answered it. And it was this guy, broken English. He was like, hey, my name is so-and-so. Um, I have to move quickly, but um, I saw the match and I would love to give you an opp another opportunity uh, at the championship um, because I think you have, you have something special. And I was like, word. Just so happens that Beyond Wrestling, who we had the first match for, you know, here in the States, they loved our match so much that they immediately had already scheduled a rematch for us at their bigger event at Fet Music the next month. We, I didn't even know that. Like, so now you got the officials in Chile saying, yeah, we need to see that again, run it back. Beyond Wrestling saying, yeah, we, we need to see it again, run it back. And then those two promotions worked together and hosted another uh, championship match. And I freaking won. <laughs> so now you got this young kid who two years ago was on his deathbed you know, now he's got this championship that nobody can touch, you know, like all this, especially with all the politics that was going on at the time. And this person trying to pull me this way and this person trying to discredit me, you know, it's a doggy dog world out there in entertainment and in wrestling. But now I have an asterisk that nobody could take away because it's like, this is not your jurisdiction. You know, this was a symbol that I could run with. And I beheld that championship for almost 2,000 days, 1,995 days before finally losing it last August uh, to Mr. Caden, <laughs> uh, one of the best, one of the top stars in, in Chile. Um, so the title is now back in Chile, but that's the story in a nutshell. And I see you, uh, so when did you learn Spanish? I'm still working on it. I should know a lot more Spanish than I know right now. But um, um me practica. <laughs> I'm still yeah, practicing. I know. I was like, uh, that's when I first saw you because I saw I saw the mask. So I'm like, I'm thinking like you like a luchador. I'm thinking like you like you know like Dominican Republic or something like that. <laughs> like you know, but well, then I, I heard you know, talk. Right? Yeah, well then I hear you talk. I was like, man, he's from out here. Let me hit him up and see what's up. But yeah, it's still cool, man. It's American. Cool. I'm American, but you know the, the 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 people in Chile have embraced me so much, and I feel like so much of my career, really the bulk of my career, I have been <laughs> champion defending this which is crazy. Like 10 years in and five and a half of that, I've been world champion. Right now I hold a title in Peru, international title in Peru. Um, they're going to get mad at me if I don't show it. Oh. Yeah, don't show it. Check it out. You know, the Chileans, you know, the Chileans and the Peruvians don't get along, right? <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I'm, right now I'm, I'm currently holding this. The reason why I still have this belt is because it got redesigned. So they gave it to me as a gift to keep the original title, even though I don't hold the championship anymore. But this bad boy right here, this is a whole nother story and a half, you know, Peru. But uh, maybe we'll get into that next time <laughs> yeah. with LWA. That's what's up. Yeah. Also, also um, it's, it's, it's a cool site, man. It's called uh, Cage Match. It got, like, a lot of your information on here. So it said you was in WWE for a match, too, right? WWE, that's not Oh, that's, no, wrong. that's not accurate. There's yeah. a there's a lot of inaccurate stuff. No, in I, no, what they did was they saying you in WWE because they showed that a ball pay per view on WWE Network. So that's why I guess they're saying. You ah, okay, okay. I did a, I did a, like a dark match. Yeah, them. yeah. So they counted. Yeah, that was that was a favor. <laughs> that was cool. And then yeah, they, then um, Impact it has you wrestling a match with Jeff Hardy. Yep, yep. That was my debut in Impact. That was a that was a fun. Interesting debut, <laughs> the way that came about. How did it come about? Well, um, maybe six months prior to that, I had wrestled Matt Hardy at a Dreamwave show in Chicago, and man, we had a we had a banger. And the funny thing about that story is, you know, years 
years ago when I broke my neck and this happened, Matt Hardy is one of the few people that uh, hit me up on Twitter that said, well wishes and, and stuff like that. Matt Hardy's low key, my second favorite wrestler of all time behind Rey Mysterio. Like I'm making Matt Hardy shirts in high school because I couldn't afford them and wearing I will not die to school. You know, like <laughs> really it's part of shaping my my confidence and things like that. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So it was fucking cool for me to be able to to wrestle him. Um but it was cool after our match and you know we're we're kind of you know handshaking like you know we, he won with three twists of fates took three <laughs> to take me down and <laughs> And uh, he's like, you know, I really appreciate the, you know, the the contest. You know, gave me a run for my money, and uh, and and I thanked him too. I was like, hey, I just got to thank you for your support all this all these years. Then he stopped. And he was like, huh? What you talk about? And then I was like, oh yeah. And then he he was like, wait, are you charade? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I didn't even realize this whole time. He was like, he just thought he was like, dang, because now he's remembering. Like I remember the clip and blah. And you're the actual kid, and we just wrestled. So then he was like, man, well, tell you what, Impact's got a taping coming up. I'm kind of in the office. You know, you should you should come down. You know, I don't have a whole lot of a whole lot of power yet, you know, but you should come down. And uh, so I contacted who I needed to contact and I got I got to the place and I had only enough money for one night of hotel. Um, and it was a through five day taping in a casino. And I was there for opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And I showed up. The first day I did the ring crew and all that kind of stuff. And they told me to come back the next day for a tryout match, for a five-minute tryout match in front of producers and, and stuff like that. Um, but then the next day came and something odd happened. Uh, Matt came over while we were having some downtime. I'm over with the ring crew. And he said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I, I haven't really told this story much. I was like, okay, cool. So he brings me to the side. And he said, hey, so my brother's here. And at the time, Jeff had just been recovering from a motorcycle accident. So he was not fully cleared to wrestle yet. Mm-hmm. He was still maybe three months away from being able to even work out again. He was like, yeah, my, my brother's here. He really wants to wrestle. We're trying to convince the office to let him wrestle. And they're selling, saying no. And uh, I told him I had somebody really, really good. That's, you know, a, it would be a, a, a good match for him. And, um, you know, can you, can you let it work? Would you be willing to do something short with him? And uh, I was like, yeah. We had to find Jeff Hardy, and finding Jeff Hardy is not easy. <laughs> so we're walking around, looking at you know, how do you find like someone that creeps in the shadows. Finally, we, we found Jeff, and he was like, "Oh, is this your guy?" And uh, we shook hands. So I met Jeff Hardy right then, and then Bob Bob Ryder comes in, the the uh, the, the talent guy, the the, lead, the middle guy. He comes in, and he knows me too. It turns out there there had been a bunch of TNA fans that had been clamoring on Twitter. And Facebook signed Shinron, signed Shinron for like a year. Like I didn't even know this until someone tagged me in it. But like there's been like four guys, and then it was like twelve guys, and then maybe like twenty guys, like making graphics and everything. Signed Shinron for TNA. They had this whole movement, and they had been bothering Bob Ryder for a year. And fine, so he kind of knew who I was already. So by the time I emailed him, and then Matt said come, it was like oh yeah, so it was a perfect perfect storm. So then we got it. We got it uh, approved. Me versus Jeff Hardy that night. And then as we got closer and closer to the show time, they kept cutting the time of the match. They kept cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down. And uh, the end result was what you saw on TV, which was cool too, because you know I was able to show some movements and show some things that I that I, that I can do, some of my unique abilities. But at the end of the day, it's Jeff Hardy, and you're probably going to get swanton by. 
Yeah, and then who so <laughs> name two of your top wrestlers. What's your other three? My favorites? Yeah. Ray Mysterio, Matt Hardy, AR Fox. Um, fourth would be Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, and fifth would be no, sorry. Fourth is Gail Kim. Okay. Fifth is Speedball yeah. Mike Bailey. Sixth would be Sting if I had a number six. Yeah, He's I'm my first guy. favorite. My, 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 as a kid favorite. <laughs> you got to But what, so, because I be playing, um, like, WWE 2K. So what year Sting? Yeah. What year? What year Sting? I'd say the WCW Sting. The 88, 91? A black and white? So, it must have been, like, between 96 and... Like '98 Sting, like that 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 era, because that's when Crow I was Sting. watching. Was that Crow Sting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one around that time, around that time. But I gotta um, that was, that was my, you kind of put me on game. I gotta look up Ar Fox and Mike Bailey. I never heard of them. I gotta look them up. Yeah, yeah. Air Fox is up today. I'm a genius. He's he's actually the owner of the WA4 now. Okay, it's crazy. Like he was the star. He he owns it now. He's the head trainer. Um, huge come up for you know for bro bro, but you and, and uh, Mike Bailey is from Canada, and he was uh, my former tag team partner. But the organization is is based in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. The four, yeah. So I think they ATL.com. Yeah, he probably got that from um, Four Horsemen. That's probably where he got it from. No, I actually asked the guy exactly <laughs> what. I was like, "Where does the four come from?" He said, "It was just a random number I put on to oh. be different because everybody else had letters." <laughs> All right. And then um like I said, I, I saw you I watched you on um Major League Wrestling. I really like Major League Wrestling. That's the main one I'm watching right now. So how long you been with them? Like a couple of years now? No, not not even not even a year. I signed well, I guess it's a year, like yeah, it's been a, it's been one year. I signed last uh July. Uh and I debuted no last June. And I debuted June sixth or so in Chicago against uh, Gringo Loco. And um and yeah, I've I've only had a handful of matches with them so far, but I'm signed to a multi-year deal. Um, and then the pandemic hit, you know, just when I was feel like I was like sizzling up, you know what I'm saying? Um, then all our events got canceled. So that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I was gonna ask you too. So are you a singles wrestler or a tag team? Because I seen you, I think you was with the Laredo Kid. I wanna say I might be saying his name wrong too, but I saw you in a tag team match. So are you tag team or singles or I mean, that was because uh, he needed a partner that day. Justice is being dicks. Uh-huh. I'm trying to take down it. I'm trying to, you know, even the, the playing field there. But uh, actually, it was supposed to be Gringo Loco tagging with Laredo Kid that night. But um, he couldn't make it during, uh, due to the travel restrictions and the travel scare from Mexico at the time. So, uh, so I jumped in. You know, Laredo's, you know, one of my friends. So I jumped in and, uh, and volunteered. All right. And then, but normally, I'm more of a singles wrestler. Um, I prefer being a singles wrestler only because I'm really picky with tag team partners, like long-term tag team partners. Mike Bailey has been my favorite, and he set the bar very, very high. We tag team as uh, the Ninjas with Altitude back in the day, back in 2014. Oh, so NWA. uh, Yeah, the Ninjas with Altitude, NWA. Came out to express yourself. That was our theme. And he's a black belt in uh, Taekwondo. And my girl, and the gymnast. Boom. My girl related to Easy E, so I hope he got some money for you playing his song like that. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I was gonna say, what makes a good tag team partner? Chemistry, like the way he thinks too, like the way he 
it was so easy coming up with the game plan every night just because we thought very, very similar. Um, and he's been wrestling longer than me. He's like a 14-year veteran. So I was learning from him at, you know, at all times. And, and I could, I could brush, up, brush him up on his aerial abilities. It was really cool. Our, our, our arsenals complemented each other. And it was, a, it was a very great cascade effect. Once we got the ball rolling, it was just like boom, 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 boom. It was, it was amazing. And then it, it led us to fighting the Young Bucks. In our last uh, in our last match, we only really had a handful of matches together, maybe like fifteen total. Um, just that's how it worked out. You know, he got banned from the U.S. after a little while, um, and uh, I think he still has a few years left in his ban, maybe one or two, because um, Canadian border control is just really strict. And if you're trying to make money and don't have a visa, and you get caught, five years. Mm. So that ended our tag team abruptly, but. Um, it's almost over. Maybe we can get him back. <laughs> what's, a, what's, your, what's your five favorite tag teams? Ooh, Ooh that's hard. Um, I'm going to say no particular order. We've got the Hardys. We've got Batista and Ray, just because they were inspiring, like I said, to get me into it, um, particularly Ray. Uh, you got uh, London and Kendrick. Had a lot of good time watching their matches. That leaves two more. Um, Really enjoy watching Jack Evans and Angelico. I wouldn't say they're in my top five, but they, I really appreciate what they do. Yeah. And uh, and there's some innovators for sure. Ah uh, man, two more. You, name start naming your top five. I got to think about the the last two. Sucker. <laughs> uh, Harlem Heat. Oh, sure. Harlem Heat. Yeah, I got to put hey. them together. Uh, Road Warriors. Got about that. Okay. Road Warriors. All uh, right. All right. Steiners. Mm-hmm. Then I guess Steiners. you I, I I don't know the Dudley will be up there, but they won't be up there. Yeah, you said Hardy's and Hardy's already. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Edge and Christian in the day back in the day. Of course, I respect them, but back then they weren't particularly my favorites. I think you named who um, I like. I, I like Eminem. Eminem is I. They grew on me over time. I hated them because they were the heels, but I really appreciated them over time. You know, Johnny Nitro. Uh, John Morrison, he's a he's a super nice guy. I've met him on multiple occasions and been in the same locker rooms with him. Super down to earth, very chill. Um, just want to give him an endorsement. <laughs> Good guy. Yeah. And then speaking of those Molina. Yeah. Speaking of endorsement, um, like I said, I feel like I everybody I talk to, I tell them about Major League Wrestling because y'all got a lot of stars. But then a lot of vets over there still. I see they had um, Conan still there. I saw Savio Vega was there. Oh, look at Savio Vega doing. Yeah, so it's like, then they got the, the new people, new stars. I see the, the dynasties on there. They got, I like it. Yeah, MLW is really, you know, trying to bring something fresh and, and something needed in wrestling. You know, some real, real, I think their presentation, our presentation is just really, really good and cutting edge. You know, it, it, it really, uh, Really whets the appetite, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, so I enjoy. I really enjoy my time with Major League Wrestling so far. Did you know they're on the zone now? They have the uh, like the. They main are school. on the zone, yeah. But then the, even now, what I like too is the underground because they show the old clips. Yeah, like, yeah. Hard, like you, MLW's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. MLW's got got footage right now, which is really advantage. You know, advantageous for for 
for MLW. No one thing I really like about Court Bauer is he he never stops moving. Like he he's a hustler. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, oh, pandemic, no problem. Let's get MLW Underground going. Boom, boom, boom. He's still looking for deals. He okay, boom. MLW signed in this place in France. Boom. MLW's on TV here in this little pocket of Europe. Like he's steady growing and steady moving. So even though there's not a lot going on as far as live events, and we haven't been wrestling since February, you know, that, that hurts the pocket. That hurts all of us. You know, everybody's getting a little impatient sitting at home. We're getting antsy, you know what I'm saying? But there's something to be said about patience. So we're all trying to hang in there. You know, right now we still have October and December events advertised and tickets sold. But I'm going to tell you right now, December ain't happening. There's rumors that December is not happening because Philadelphia said there's no live events in the whole city, at least until February 2021. So it's only a matter of time before that gets axed. So October is our only holdout right now for a 2020 return. So we're all dying, you know, crossing our fingers. But that's still, what, four months away, three months away, something like that. So we still got to hold on. So MLW is not going through the best of times right now. But stick with us because uh, once we get back, back rolling, you know, we got yeah, I had a lot of time to come up with things. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna say, what do you think about you know? There's been some organizations that's been kind of, um, or even just like you know, basketball, boxing, how they're doing with no fans now. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's it's it it was really weird. Like I didn't like it when WWE first did it, as far as like the viewing experience. Like I, I just thought it, it was missing a major components. It's just not as good. But at the same time, that's what you got to do. It's either not wrestle or wrestle with no or limited fans. Yeah, I do like what AEW has done with their presentation with having the, some of the other wrestlers at ringside and, you know, maybe some family and friends scattered throughout the, uh, the place. That reminds me of Beyond Wrestling, the, the, the original Beyond Wrestling when we were doing studio tapings, when we would literally have uh, a ring and a, a wrestling school or a warehouse and the wrestlers would wrestle for the wrestlers. And we would be the crowd for the other wrestlers. And that was a really cool formula. And maybe it's got to be tweaked, of course, for a national, international audience, right? But, uh, but that, if that's what we got to do right now, a lot of wrestling places are doing that. Now, does MLW or does a lot of places have the capacity to do that? Like, can they afford to rent out a big building if there's not, you know, there's no fans buying tickets? Like, that means they have to have a good deal like tv deal or something like so is their deal enough money to be able to do that i don't know i have no idea about the financials i know aew can pull it off i know wb can pull it off and right now they're they got a show every week a fresh show every week but everywhere else is kind of struggling and trying to find a way to finesse this you know what i'm saying i don't know if, um you watch nba By a little bit yeah they like got the some NBA. new shit they finna do they saying like because right now they're playing in orlando but I guess they're going to make the damn, um, like, the screen is going to have, like, 300 fans on it. And they're going to be watching it on Zoom. So I think that might end <laughs> up being a new thing. Yeah, that shit kind of cool, though, at the same time when you think about it. Because it's going to be basically, it's, like, it's going to be the fans. But it's like we all watching it like this. That shit might, it might be something got to do like that eventually. That'll work for basketball. I think that works. But something like wrestling, that's a little harder was when we, when we rely on that energy from the fans. Because mm -hmm. the fan reaction could actually change a match. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if the fans really get behind me when I'm trying to get up, because then I got my opportunity to, to try to get some offense, that could give me a little extra boost to give me, you know, a little extra pop on my on my offense there. 
versus I guess it could happen too with basketball, but that's more of a I don't know. I'm not a basketball player, but I imagine it's less of an effect with something like basketball or soccer or something, and it's a little bit different of an effect with pro wrestling, if you know what I mean. All right. So, uh, where do you see your future with wrestling? How many more years you going wrestle? Um. Well, I'm only 28, not even 30 yet. So I got so a lot of time. In it, so I know you got a lot of um. You like I, <laughs> man? I did that shit for like a, a week. No, I did for one day. I went to SoCal Pro Wrestling to try out. I was like, man, that shit rough. But then I was saying Not the same thing. I was like, I was like, if I was a gymnast or something, I'd probably be cool with it. But I was like, I'm a big dude, so that shit was hard for me. So I'm like, it's just a lot of wear yeah. your body. And you already said for sure. Years, so. For sure. My first bump. I went in there not knowing how to bump, right? I, that first show that I went to WA4, you know, I had to get in the ring. It was my first, so I slid in the ring. I didn't know I was allowed to if I just asked. But I, I, when everybody wasn't looking, I jumped into the ring and I just threw myself on the ground so excited. And it hurt so bad. I felt like I broke <laughs> seven bones. I felt like my hip was over here. And then so I rolled out of the ring just in the last second before I got caught. And mom was like, hey, you want to come meet Mr. Hughes? Hey, hey, this is my son. And I'm sitting there, hi, like all fucking trying to hide my. It was bad. Like the first three months of training, of course, I started learning how to do it after that. But still, the first three months tore my body to shreds. I, I still have a, a mark on my back from hitting the turnbuckle and ripping my skin open. Like mm. it, your whole body has to acclimate. And and I, it, the closest I came to quitting was not when I broke my neck. It was three months to five months into wrestling training. That's when it got the hardest. That's when it's like, are you going to do this or not? Most guys don't even make it to that that far. We see them for their first week, and they're gone. Or if they stay their first week, after six weeks, they're gone. Or maybe they'll make it two months. And then it really looks like they're in for it, the, and then they're gone, right? Then the next one is like a year and a half. But you'll notice if from a year to a year and a half, if they start slowing down, coming less, they're probably gone before year two. The ones <laughs> that I've seen make it, at least two and a half years and stay semi-regularly are the ones that go as far as they want to, you know what I mean? As far as, you know, and do a, a decent job for themselves, you know, at least they, they stay active and they're happy, you know? Now, how many make money? That's a smaller percentage, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. It's not easy being a pro wrestler. So you got another 30 years in? You say you're only 28, so how long are you? I don't, about, I, don't about, I don't know about 30. I don't know about 30. <laughs> I'm thinking at least 10 and probably... If I stretch it out and do it right, you know, maybe pull pull the schedule back towards the end, like, you know, a lot the taker. I like the Brock, I like the Brock Lesnar approach. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna work a little bit less and keep myself exclusive. If you noticed, or if someone that followed me has noticed, I've already kind of started doing that over the past couple of years. I only wrestle in MLW in the United States, at least so far. You know, I have and that you know, that may change with who knows what's gonna happen in 2020, 2021. But I really like to stay exclusive and, and like to stay loyal uh, to the platforms that really go all in. And so far, MLW has done, you know, done me great so far. Um, and I, I like to spend a lot of my time overseas. So I tend to wrestle in spurts. I'll tend to wrestle like a few times a month and keep that really special, especially because my offense and the, the things I create in the ring are not. It take a lot of thought, take a lot of practice, take a lot of precision. Sometimes it takes a lot of wear and tear, like you said. So I have to be a little smarter. But I'd rather stretch my career out by wrestling selectively than wrestle every weekend like I used to do and then wrestle only until I'm 36 and I can't walk anymore. You know what I'm saying? All right, man. What would you like to say to your fans and supporters? 
I'd like to say I got something cooking in the oven that any day now I'm about to drop and I'd really like your guys' support with it. Um, it's called Lucha Wear, uh, the league of luchadors, and we can lucha. It's like a three-way dance. I'm going to drop a little info right here. I've been keeping this under wraps, but I feel like I can share just a little bit more. But um, here's the premise. In the United States, Japan, Europe, there's a lot of opportunities for pro wrestlers, you know, compared to a lot of other countries. There's a lot of variety for fans if you want to get into some pro wrestling, you know, boom, boom, pop on the internet. You know, you could go to your local show. But in places like Zimbabwe, Bolivia, Peru, in places like, you know, New Zealand, there's less opportunity. There's less shows running. There's less good, knowledgeable talent teaching the younger talent. And that has generational effects. But that doesn't mean there's any less of a passion from those wrestlers that want to be included in the national in the international conversation of wrestling, right? Um, there's a lot of good, good-hearted souls out there. And I, and I started learning this when I started going to these places, you know, and I started seeing meeting uh you know the people out there so basically i wanted to find a way to give back so we can lucha is my way of giving back and trying to bridge that gap between uh the opportunities we may have here um as well as the other two things i said so just just keep following me um i'm not gonna drop the super deets yet but by the end of the week you know i'll have a video out i'll have everything out and you can see and support so I appreciate everybody. Um, stay patient with MLW. So patient with us, and uh, let's keep rocking. Let's get through this. I forgot to ask you, man. Are you a hip hop fan? Yeah, I love. I love it. More old school though. So who we got to get your top five hip hop? Ooh, ooh, top five. I don't. I don't. I don't like the strict order. You put me <laughs> on the spot. But I, you know, I like me some Snoop. I like me some Dr. Dre. You know, uh, fucking even like Crisscross. Like somebody go back, dip back into the '80s a little bit. Um, we can, uh, even some new cats. I like Logic a lot. Logic's actually my favorite, uh, rapper, um, just retired, rap pack forever. Uh, Jordan Lucas is cool. You know, even some old Will Smith tracks and those, <laughs> some people go like, Will, no, Will's too, you know what I'm saying? Um, anywhere from, you know, late eighties up to like that 96, 97 range. I really, really screw with Biggie Tupac, obviously. And, uh, some of the newer guys. You know, <laughs> yeah. One one of the hosts of the wrestling podcast, they saw you. They was like, "Oh, he got the hammer pants on." <laughs> yeah, I think was wrestling. Um, you it was beyond wrestling. It was a little clip of you and Desmond Xavier. And you had some mm-hmm. hammer pants on. He's like, "He got hammer pants." On. <laughs> yeah, man. Good old Desmond. Desmond Xavier. <laughs> but yeah, man. It was nice talking to you, man. I'm gonna have to catch you. I'll catch up with you later and get the other stories. You as well. Thank you. Where Where's this gonna be? It's gonna be everything you want to be gonna be on um Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, just send me the links and stuff and so I can promote it. Yeah, what's your social media again? The Aerial Artist at the Aerial Artist. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.